When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Secure the room, Lieutenant Del... Yes, sir. Okay, stop. You can't omit details like that. Yeah, but I already did, so... Are you so stubborn that you're willing to risk death by eels? Yes, that's correct. On today's episode of the Positively Trek Lower Decks Review, Bruce and I are going to step up and speak into the Horn of Candor and give our true thoughts on how we feel about the Lower Decks episode, Veritas. My name is Dan Gunther, I'm just one of your hosts, and with me, of course, as he is every week, is the wonderful Bruce Gibson. Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Dan, but I'm a little worried now because you make this sound like it's going to be a trial. Is this a trial? If it, it looks like a trial. It feels like a trial. But is it? We're going to leave that intentionally ambiguous and uh, we're just going to see how it goes. <laughs> okay. I don't know. It's either a trial or a party. I can't tell. Yeah, it's it's sometimes difficult to tell. We'll get through this preferably eel-free. Well, as I mentioned, we are talking about the latest episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. So if you haven't seen that episode, you may want to steer clear of this for fear of spoilers. But if you don't care about spoilers, keep listening because we're going to spoil the heck out of this episode. So first of all, Veritas is the episode, and, and we're going to jump right into it here where we get a couple of Star Trek alumni coming back, uh, one of whom is reprising a role that they're famous for in Star Trek, and one of whom played a bunch of different roles and plays a new role here. So, uh, first of all, our antagonist for the episode, Clar, played by Kurtwood Smith. How cool was it to hear Kurtwood Smith back in the Star Trek universe for this? Kurtwood Smith. I knew that he was going to do something, and I'd never looked at the credits for this one. And I was like, oh, who's doing <laughs> Clark? And now I know. Yes. Okay. Now it makes sense. Oh, that's. Yeah. Because I thought he was great. Yeah. I loved the the acting. When I was hearing Clark talk, I was like, wait, who's doing the voice? I got to look that up. And I totally forgot. But yeah, Kirkwood Smith. I knew he was going to be doing something. So thanks for that info there. awesome yeah so kurtwood smith famous in star trek circles as the federation president in star trek 6 and anorax in the voyager two-parter year of hell he also played thrax who was odo's predecessor on terok nor in the deep space nine episode things past you may know him from small roles in various movies over the years but probably you know him as red foreman on that 70s show is kind of 
what most people recognize him as. I and... forgot he was on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't call Boimler a dumbass in this episode, but he comes pretty close. <laughs> I was never big watcher of that 70s show. I've only seen like a few episodes. So I do know who the cast is, but I forgot he was in that because every time I see him, I always think of Star Trek and all the roles you just mentioned. <laughs> I always forget nice. that he's on the 70s show. <laughs> You're a true fan, as they say. <laughs> That's right. So this episode is interesting. It's kind of broken up into three distinct parts. And the way the episode does this is we have testimony from our various characters who have been called in front of what looks to be, like we said, a courtroom of some kind. And the first one to give testimony is Mariner. Then we get Rutherford and then Tendy. And then Boimler kind of gives, I guess you would say, the closing arguments. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, it's a really different episode. What did you think of this going in when it started? First of all, with this teaser that was kind of more serious than any teaser we've gotten before. Yeah, I, you know, my first thought was this was a Klingon planet. Because I don't know mm -hmm. if you have the name in front of you. I don't. But the name even sounds like it could be Klingon because it was like a T apostrophe something. You know, it sounded different to me. And then when they were in this dungeon or prison or whatever it is, and then they started to rise up, it was reminding me of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. I was, so I was thinking of the trial. But then when they get up there and we see this different looking alien, I thought, is this a Klingon trial? that this alien is just, you know, representing the, you know, he's cross-examining them, but the Klingons are up there watching. So at first I was like, oh, this is going to be like really kind of like a dark, heavy episode and very Klingon. So I kept expecting Klingon because even looking up in there, you couldn't really see the other aliens all that well because it was dark. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could see them, but at times I was like, no, that's not Klingon. Well, wait, no, maybe it is the, no, that's not, well, no. And uh, yeah, I kept doing that for a while. So yeah, the whole feeling of, as I thought was really going to be kind of a dark, scary episode. Instead, it was just a very quick and fast paced episode of all kinds yeah. of stuff. <laughs> Definitely. And this episode relies on that, I think, kind of drawing on our assumptions based on what we've seen in Star Trek before, like that very Klingon court imagery, like you said. And, and that's very intentional is to kind of draw those memories out of you and make you think it's one thing when it's actually another, which I, I thought was really clever personally. And yeah, you mentioned fast paced. This episode, I think more than any before it is really plot dependent rather than character dependent. We get, you know, little bits of character and stuff, but it's mostly plot and wacky hijinks. But in this case, I'm really here for it. You know, I, I usually say on this show that like I'm all about the character development and that kind of thing. But this was just kind of a wild ride from beginning to end that I was there for. I really enjoyed that. I might get killed for saying this, but when you just said a wild ride, when I was watching this, at one point I thought it almost feels like one of the Kelvin timeline movies because hmm. of the pace and it's a wild ride and very fast. It just had that rhythm to me because I'm so many of the past episodes feel a lot like TNG at times. This was starting to feel at times like that pace of those movies. So I thought that was interesting that that was feeling that in this episode. Interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. Well, we start with Mariner's testimony and 
you know, in this one, we learn that, you know, the ship's on red alert, but they've missed the fact that they're on red alert because darn it, Rutherford's messed with the red alert speakers in the cargo bay that they work in. So uh, Mariner and Boimler are late to getting to their shift on the bridge and we see kind of things from their perspective. So it's like each person who's testifying has a reason why they don't have the whole in the whole complete picture added to that the fact that of course they're lower deckers and don't get told everything so uh what did you think of this first bit of the story here where we see kind of what's going on with this alien captain who's sending them a map or something like that i I like seeing boimler and mariner on the bridge uh Mm -hmm. and how they just kind of crawl into their seats and such (laughs) and yeah the whole map thing i don't know why but the map just kept making me think of survivor it looked like, a, well, like hmm. from a distance, it would look like the logo on Survivor. <laughs> I was like, oh, is it trying to be or not? I don't know. It just kind of looked like that to me. But the, who, what, wait, who was the captain that they got this from? Oh, so he was an alien bug captain, I guess. I, I forget the exact name of the species. Uh, but do you know who played the alien captain, which is kind of cool? I'm going to make a guess. And this really is a guess. Okay. Kenneth Mitchell. You are absolutely 100% correct. And I really didn't know that. I just knew that Kenneth Mitchell had a part in this, but I didn't know what it was. (laughs) That's cool. I had no idea he was in this, and I actually haven't watched it since learning that he played the captain. So I kind of want to go back and watch it with that in mind. But yeah, I found that out, and it was really cool. He actually just tweeted. I was looking. He was tweeting about this, and he said, uh, walking into the studio to record this, Uh, was one of the last memories he has of walking on his own because if you know people aren't aware out there he's been diagnosed with I, I believe ALS Lou Gehrig's disease and has you know basically lost the ability to walk you know he's he's using a wheelchair now so that was that was amazing and and he said like it's it's a really great memory to have it was such a great experience one of the great memories he has of the last one of the last times he was walking so uh, that that was really touching i couldn't believe that wow yeah i mean that i i didn't know about that that's now i now when i watch the episode i'm going to be thinking of that because you're right it's very touching to know that this was one of the last things that he did while he was still walking yeah absolutely Uh, So, yeah, (laughs) the one part of this that I do really love was, of course, the scene that we saw in some trailers and stuff where, you know, the captain tells Mariner, send them a message. And she's like, aye, captain, and fires the phasers across their bow. And something about Mariner's delivery of lines in this episode just really made me laugh when uh, the captain says, that doesn't mean do that. That means invite them to dinner. No, it doesn't. Just (laughs) the way she delivers her lines. I love it. Oh, I know. It's funny you said that because I uh, just guest co-host on Open Channel with Christopher Littlefield where people send in their comments. And that was some of the comments was the delivery of Mariner's lines by Tawny. I mean, it was just like so spot on and just, yeah, I love that. And I just love her character more and more as we watch it. And even like the part where Boimler is like trying to, you know, guess uh, what maneuver to do and how to handle the situation. And because he's so wanting to be, you know, advanced to the top and always look good and is worried about, does this hair this way look better, command style or this or whatever. And then when he's on the bridge, uh, 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 and he's given all the wrong answers. And Dr. Tana is like, 
did he really just say that? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Ransom, yeah, you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like oh. that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of Mariner's deliveries, this isn't from this part, but I mentioned this on the live show as well. Shut up, Billups, <laughs> I think is going to become one of my favorite lines in this series now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'll, I'll never forget that name now. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, before this episode, I was always kind of like, what's the engineer's name again? I can't remember. And uh, yeah, no, that'll definitely cement it in. That and Tendi being so in awe. <gasps> this is where Billups sits. I, I don't know. It's interesting reputation this guy seems to have on the ship. <laughs> it was a very much a name dropping of Billups in this episode. Like I wa- yeah. I walked away from this like I'm now going to remember that guy's name. I wasn't sure what his name was, but I'm certainly going to remember now cuz it's been dropped several times. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's move on to the testimony of Rutherford, and I should say Ensign Samanthan Rutherford is his full name as given here, which that was a bit of a surprise. We've got some strange names in this series, right? We've got, uh, was it Bradward Boimler and Samanthan Rutherford? I, I'm loving this. <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, I don't remember knowing that was his first name. Did we know that or not? But just from your comment there, it sounds like, no, we didn't know that name before. Yeah, we, we knew his name was Sam, but but not. I think we I think we assume that's short for Samuel. But again, they're challenging our expectations and, and turning our assumptions on their ears. And Samantha, it's the male form of Samantha, yeah, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> Samantha. I didn't. Yeah. Because I was like, what? I don't remember hearing that before. <laughs> I thought it was just Sam. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And sure enough, I went to Memory Alpha and on the day that the episode dropped, somebody had been very quick and changed his Memory Alpha entry to say Samantha Rutherford as his name. So kudos to whoever was editing Memory Alpha that day. I want to ask you a quick question. Have you ever edited Memory Alpha? I have not. No, I, I've, I've done a couple of Wikipedia edits on Star Trek stuff that I know about, but I haven't ed- edited Memory Alpha, I don't think. I don't think I have either. I've done Wikipedia, like you said, but I don't think Memory Alpha. I just wonder if there's a battle between people like rushing who's going to be the first to make a change like that. <laughs> I bet you there is. <laughs> so, yeah, Rutherford's testimony, I think. You know, it's hard to choose for me between this and Tendies, which is my favorite part of the episode, because there's really great stuff in both. But Rutherford's, you know, normally his implant, as he says, records everything that he's conscious for, you know, perfectly. But in this case, because he has to update it with some Romulan tactical information, he keeps kind of blacking out and missing time and that sort of thing. So that kind of lends a bit of unreliability to his testimony here as well, which I thought was a lot of fun because, of course, the episode does it by he'll black out and then wake up in a completely different situation with things happening around him that he has no idea how he got there because the implant has apparently just taken over his body for him during that period and he has no idea what happened. I know. I kept thinking, how scary is that? You just find yourself, boom, you're just, you know, you've been doing something, you just don't remember it and you don't have any awareness and you're all of a sudden you wake up in a totally different location. And, you know, you said that the Tendi line is your favorite. I think the Rutherford line is mine because there's so many things going on here just because it's so unexpected. There's like, where's mm. he going to pop up next? And the fact that he does a Vulcan nerve pitch pinch to two Vulcans, Spock and Spock, 
cracked me up. <laughs> I was, was great. I was like, did I hear that right? <laughs> yeah, you never pinched Spock and Spock here. <laughs> <laughs> and he finds himself on a Romulan bird of prey. You know, that was yes. cloaked. I thought that was cool. I thought it looked gorgeous too, by the way. Oh, it was beautiful. It's so great to see. You know, it's it's kind of funny because we think of this as this iconic Romulan design. And really, it was only seen in two episodes of the original series to initially. And then with the remastered edition, they also put it in the Enterprise incident. But you know, it's it's kind of a rarely seen thing. And we, of course, did see a version of it in Star Trek Picard as well. So we're kind of getting a renaissance of the classic Romulan bird of prey popping up. And I saw an article, and this kind of blew my mind. This person wrote an article about a theory that the Romulan bird of prey, as seen in this episode, could explain the Romulan bird of prey seen in Star Trek Picard by the warlord Karkintar, because maybe Shax and his team abandoned it in Romulan space, and that's how Karkintar gets it in Star Trek Picard. And I was like, okay, that's kind of brilliant. <laughs> I think it's cool. And I just had that thought when you were saying we're seeing this renaissance of this ship. And I and you said Picard and I was like and I thought in my mind, what if it's the same ship? So when you just start saying that I'm like <laughs> I was just wondering that myself. It could work. And it it would be great if we found out for sure that that's that was the intent. That would be so cool. And I mean until proven otherwise, that's I'm kind of going with that in my head, you know. Yeah. yeah. Why, why not? not? I would love the idea that they were just like, yeah, let's do this. Let's, let's, you know, let's put this Romulan bird of prey in here to connect it to Picard. We won't necessarily tell you, but that's why it's really there. You know, like they, they were actually trying to connect dots between series in a fun way, you know, but yeah, in not absolutely. too serious way. But yeah, I, I love the whole Rutherford stuff. My favorite, One of my favorite things is the Gorn wedding. I was hoping you'd bring that up. I love the Gorn wedding. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like, I've always wanted to see a Gorn wedding. <laughs> no, not. <laughs> Whereas I didn't realize I always wanted to see a Gorn wedding, but now I'm like, yeah, I'm really glad I saw that. <laughs> and again, I'm just trying to picture them all sitting in a room. What should we do next? I don't know. Maybe he shows up uh, among some bunch of Gorn, like we haven't. Okay, but w I don't know. What are the Gorn doing? Uh, a bar mitzvah? <laughs> well, I don't think they have <laughs> Jewish Gorns. Like they don't have the Jewish religion where they live. But we can have a wedding. Let's do a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how like a Gorn wedding. Oh no! And like how that kept getting brought up like Clar's line how did this become about a gorn wedding <laughs> <laughs> right and then he wakes up again resets wakes up i'm still in a gorn wedding <laughs> the i love that him. <laughs> because he's like yeah every time this thing resets it kind of gets me out of the situation so like i'm just gonna check out and turn on my implant and nope it doesn't take him far enough he's still at the gorn wedding <laughs> that was hilarious <laughs> yeah i loved it so many Easter eggs in this section of the story. We've got like the, the Vulcan shuttle that they use that we haven't seen since Star Trek, the yeah. motion picture. That was really cool. I did a double take at that. Yeah. I wondered when I first saw it, cause I watched this episode twice. When I first saw it, I was like, was that the Vulcan shuttle? Why would they be using a Vulcan shuttle? And then I watched the second time. I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. But why, why that? Is it really a mm -hmm. Vulcan shuttle or is it just a shuttle? A some type of Federation shuttle. 
I assume it was a Vulcan shuttle because they used it to uh, infiltrate Vulcan. Oh, those were the, the museum. That's where the two Spocks were. Was yeah. That? yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I'm yeah, they they took it. they took over the Vulcan shuttle and then they airdropped into the Vulcan museum. So. Yeah, I don't know why I don't remember the Vulcan museum. <laughs> <laughs> so the Vulcan museum was where they stole the run. Oh, that's where those from. ships were. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now it's all connecting. Thank you. And. Boimler did his famous fan dance. Yes. <laughs> to distract the guard. What'd you think of that? I like, okay, is this like a Federation tactic that Yuhora used in Star Trek V or did she start it? <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I, I, I was laughing my butt off at that scene. I thought that was hilarious. And I think even as a bit of a meta commentary on how awkward and inappropriate that scene in Star Trek V is because like Rutherford's like, this feels right. This feels good. <laughs> Stop that. You're distracting me. <laughs> this is a distraction. Oh, man. So great. Uh, so, yeah, from there we move to Tendies. And like I said, I think Rutherford's might be my favorite, but Tendies comes really close as well. So she's assigned to clean the conference room. And when she goes there, we get Ransom and this undercover tactical team come in and ransom asks her if she's the cleaner and she says well yes i'm the cleaner but that's also the code name for this you know fifth member of their team who we never get to see but they assume tendies on the team and take her with them into romulan space to do this undercover black ops mission i thought this was hilarious and turns out tendies quite a badass <laughs> yeah i mean well at least in her storytelling, you know. I I thank you for saying that because I maintain that she is the ultimate unreliable narrator here. And I don't know that she actually did that, but, you know, maybe she did, maybe she didn't. I think Ransom could back up the story if they brought him to the stand. But, you know, I, I, I think that's kind of still up in the air a little bit. Yeah, because she said something about, you know, she karate chopped all the different Romulans and Clara's like there's no way and, and she, I forget what she said but she made a comment to like well that's how she's telling the story yeah well she because she's leaving some parts out and it's a classified mission she's like yeah no I didn't wink wink yeah, wink right <laughs> yeah so there's a bit of ambiguity I think it could go either way for me I I'd like to believe that she did do this and that's pretty cool but she might be just embellishing the story a little bit as well the thing that I love from this story, too, is the uh, use of the, the censoring, the uh, redacting of some of the elements of her story. First of all, we've got these black censored bars over the eyes of everyone <laughs> yeah. in this story, which is great and finally explains that bit from the trailer that we were like, why are, do all the Romulans have black censor bars over their eyes? And then, of course, the, the bleeping out of certain words here and there, uh, generally to, you know, some good effect and sometimes very ineffective as well. Yeah, it's like I kept wanting to figure out what was in its place you know what was being bleeped out or whatever out and you know the black sensor bars you know the last time we saw one was on boimler's sensor so you know this is a recalling that yep yep that's true <laughs> i'd forgotten about that i think maybe i'd block that out <laughs> with a black sensor bar <laughs> you blocked it out but no i, I did enjoy this storyline because of 
it just even the way it ends, you know, Tendi's like so excited about cleaning the conference room and who sat where and whatever and the captain's chair and all that. Then she gets thrown into this mission, not knowing really what's going on or what's happening. And I, and then, you know, it ends with them back in the conference room and, oh, she's back in the conference room cleaning. Like she's still getting a high, like that's the highlight of her story is getting to clean the conference room. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I did also love the bit on Romulus where they tell her, okay, cleaner, do your thing. And she, like we've talked about, she beats up the Romulans, but Ransom says, oh, I thought you were just supposed to beam us out, but uh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got some talents that people don't realize, you know? She's she's really good at her job. Apparently so. And we also get to learn the thoughts of the Romulans on uh, on the Remans, what they think really think of the Remans. Yeah, I thought that was <laughs> You know funny. who I hate? The Remans. Oh, they're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. And I like them on the Bird of Prey, and they're just like, you know, she's like trying to say something like, hold on, we're being scanned. Okay, now we're good. No, wait, we're being scanned. Okay, we're good. No, wait, we're being scanned. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I do have to admit, that's the one part of the episode that when I first watched it, I was like, oh, that's obnoxious. That's annoying. And then the second time I watched it, I, I was laughing. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it just got, got me the right way the second time. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. And beautiful Romulan warbirds, too. That was cool. Oh, my cool. gosh. They are. I mean, it's just incredible, the animation. I mean, a lot of the animation is is not you know that detailed in a sense but you know because it's supposed to look like a cartoon but then when you see some of these ships and the interiors and the environments they're just so spot on absolutely well the final little bit here we get is kind of boimler and he doesn't tell the story of what he was doing and that kind of thing other than what we saw of him in mariner's story but he kind of wraps everything up with this talking about like how Starfleet officers aren't always perfect and they're lower decks. They don't know everything and all this kind of stuff. I really thought that Boimler's testimony here was kind of almost like a mission statement for the series. And I feel like this would actually make a really good introductory episode to lower decks. So for example, if we're in like season five or six of this show and somebody's never seen it and they don't necessarily want to go back and start from the beginning, this would almost, I feel like be an episode I would show somebody that would really help them get what lower decks is all about. I, I I thought, you know, if it weren't for, you know, having to introduce all the characters, this would make a really good pilot episode of the show. That's a very, very good point. I think you're right, because one thing I do like about the episode is it's not two characters doing one thing and two characters do another. We get the four together and they're telling yes. their own stories, but they're in this together, you know, and we do see that senior crew, but they are taking a back step. They're being held in that beam so they're not really doing a whole lot but we see them in the story but we see that the focus of the episode is on these four characters just like the series is so you're right if no one's seen lower decks this might be a good starting off point or at least watch this w when watching the pilot episode like watch the pilot and then this or vice versa or whatever and then that will really give you a good idea what the series is about absolutely and yeah i like that you brought up the senior staff, because as we learn at the end, this is not, in fact, 
a trial. It's a celebration. It's a party because they have rescued this guy, Klar, from Romulan space. And they're actually being held in the beam of celebration. And as Billups said, I am proud to be in this beam. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really strange that they're just like, you know, standing there or hanging there or whatever, just floating there, not saying anything, not doing anything. And just watching this whole thing go on. Their poor little officers are being interrogated and (laughs) freaking out. And they're just like, yeah, we're just hanging out, celebrating in a beam. Well, as Ransom says, they've got to honor the customs of the the planets they visit. They couldn't interfere. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, one thing I would say I was a little disappointed about in this episode is the fact that they were there the whole time when Boimler's giving his speech. And he's like, the senior crew doesn't always know what they're doing. They mess up too. I expected that to backfire on him later. And him just, you know, when he's now with the senior crew later, I expect them to call on it. So Boimler, we know what you really think of us. And he'd be like, oh, no, you know, like I'm ruining my career again because now I said, all these bad things about them but nothing like that happened no i do like that he kind of turns it around at the end and as the captain says to him you gave a really good defensive starfleet basically when it came down to it i thought that was really cool and when he's recounting the mistakes and the problems that the senior officers face this is where of course we get the second of our Star Trek alumni returning. And in this case, he's returning as the character he's been known for throughout Star Trek. We get, of course, John Delancey as Q in this episode. And we had been told, of course, in the interviews before that we would be getting Q back and that it would be a small part, not the focus of an episode, but, you know, kind of a small bit. So I was a little prepared for that. I knew the episode wouldn't center around Q, but It was really cool to get him back in this role and playing that part again. I thought that was really cool that they brought John Delancey in for that. Well, and because this episode in a lot of ways is very strange because we're jumping to all these different places and situations and the situations are very weird (laughs) a lot of times just to see Q show up and then take the senior crew down and make them chess pieces and in some kind of Q environment just fits so well (laughs) within this episode. And so I not only did enjoy seeing Q there, but the situation he put the crew in for that small scene. (laughs) Chess pieces, playing cards, both types of football. (laughs) What's going on here? (laughs) Yeah, I enjoyed it. I will say this, that, I mean, of course, I always enjoy John Delancey and his performances Q. I just wish that he would have played it a little more over the top for this because I felt like he was playing Q voicing Q like he normally would, but because these characters are so over the top and because they're in a lot of ways exaggerated and there's certain rhythm in this, he needs to be heightened higher than these characters, in my opinion. So I think he should have overplayed Q a little more than he did. Oh, that's funny because I I got the impression maybe not higher than the characters around him, but I got the impression he was embellishing more than he did when he was on TNG or Voyager. Well, and that may be true. I think especially in the first scene he did, but it's what I'm saying is I don't want him to be on the same level of energy as the others. I want him to be a little more, I want him to feel more, you know, broad, like you just, you know, I am Q and I am here, you know, because these characters are so high. I want him a little higher. That's just if I was directing the episode. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I loved having Q in here for sure. I thought that was great. And the other thing, of course, my my favorite bits, we, we get a little bit with Ransom and Assault Vampire. That was kind of cute. Yeah. But Dr. Ta'ana getting on the wrong ship. 
I think is like a scene that I just want to watch separate from the episode over and over again, because it's one of my favorite things they've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> well, because all the ships look the same. <laughs> <laughs> all these bleeping ships look the same but i loved that she goes on the bridge and you know she's like captain i think we're in a parallel universe nobody can believe me and like all of the characters are played by the same actors who play them you know on our ship but they're totally different characters up to the point of even like when jillian vigman leaves the bridge the doctor of the ship comes on and it's a guy a ginger guy with a mustache with jillian vigman's voice and what was that all about (laughs) i know i love that (laughs) oh man i i did have to rewind and and rewatch that one again because that was so funny i would love to see a crossover the two crews (laughs) you know yeah working together absolutely that'd be funny (laughs) Awesome. Well, what do you say we go into our final thoughts and maybe a rating of some kind for the episode Veritas? Man, uh, you know, I really did like this episode a lot. And especially on the second rewatch, I, you know, it's just, again, it's so hard to say, oh, this is my favorite because I feel like almost every week or every other week I'm going to say that. But I, this reminded me a lot of the pilot in the sense that there's so many different environments, different story, a lot of different things just going on. It was very fast paced, which is what I liked about the pilot. So, but I thought this was even better again, just seeing all the four characters together and not being separated. And they're all in the same situation as a team and dealing with the eels and, you know, trying to tell (laughs) their stories and such. And yeah, Mariner, spot on. I mean, they were all just so good. I mean, I don't even know what more I can say that we haven't said. I would say probably this would be my favorite episode because there was something about it. As soon as we're maybe five minutes into it, I could already tell there was something different about it. And it's something that felt good to me. Like, I just remember thinking, ooh, this really feels interesting. I'm really kind of liking this. Yeah, that's funny. I'm glad you put it that way. I felt the same way at the beginning because I think it was that teaser where, you know, there's some jokes in there, but it ends on a really serious note and launches us into the into the story before they go to the credits. I thought that was like, oh, this feels very different. They've never done this before right off the bat. Yeah. So I would give this five out of five Vulcan pinched Spocks. Ooh, Spock, 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 Spock and Spock. (laughs) That is right. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I love this one. I think people who have seen other stuff I've done online will know that I think this was the top form of Lower Decks so far. I really enjoyed this. Start to finish, like just on a level of pure entertainment. Like if that's what you're looking for from Star Trek, I was entertained as heck by this one from beginning to end. So definitely top marks for me on this one. We didn't really talk about the deeper meaning of the episode. I feel like if I'm getting a deeper meaning from this, it's that not everything is as it seems and you shouldn't always just make assumptions. And I feel like that kind of weaves through the whole thing. We've got Mariner and Boimler's story. They make assumptions about what's happening on the bridge, which leads to some difficulties. We've got, you know, Ransom making assumptions about Tendi and that brings her on the mission. And then overall, the whole thing, they assume it's a trial. They assume it's a courtroom, but 
no, it's just a party. You know, they they made assumptions and acted accordingly. And you need to always be on guard against that. Yeah. And you're not always going to get the answers because at the end, even Mariner's asking, well, you know, where did this guy come from and how did they get him? And it's like... You don't need to know. <laughs> yeah, I love that. The the idea that, yeah, the, the Cerritos is going to be an open book. We're going to share information freely. Well, how did the Vulcans even get the Romulan ship? And why didn't you just ask them for it? And blah, blah. Well, no, no, that's classified. Okay, no, never mind. Shut it down. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm going to give this episode an elaborate fan dance that just feels right. That's that's my rate. I like that. It feels right. You know, the fan dance thing, now that it's been established that it's not just a Star Trek V thing, that this is a tactic that's used throughout the uh, Starfleet and the Federation, <laughs> I think this might be my next cosplay, that I'm just walking around with fans and just distracting people. <laughs> Wait, just fans? Because you, you can go with Uhura's costume in Star Trek V, which I think would just be the fans. Uh, or you could go with Rutherford's in this one, which is the the robe, I think, might be a good choice. Okay, I was going to say, I'll let you pick for me. Okay, well, I know what I'm picking then. <laughs> <laughs> and it may not be what you think. No, I'm just Oh, kidding. no. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's warm. <laughs> well, we want to hear what you thought of this episode, so reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter at PositivelyTrek, or you can email us PositivelyTrek at gmail.com. Or check out our discussion group on Facebook. Just search for Positively Trek on Facebook. Find the Positively Trek discussion group and join up. We'd love to have you there. You can find me online at Kurtrats on Twitter. I'm That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. Or you can also find my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Productions. And you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And you can find me occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm on a recent episode of Open Channel talking about this episode of Lower Decks with Christopher Littlefield reading your comments. So check that out. Awesome. Well, this day didn't have to end in eels. And I'm, I'm glad it didn't. I think this turned out quite well. So thank you all for joining us. And until next time, stay positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.